Super Bowl Sunday always brings back fun memories for me. Um, growing up, the church that I spent most of my upbringing in, uh, our pastor liked to prove a point sometimes. So we had business meeting every Super Bowl Sunday evening after church. And, um, you know, back then, this is a long time ago, back then you put your uh, VHS in and hit your two buttons to record. And you had to make sure the TV was off, I think, in order for it to actually record. I don't know. There's something weird about it. I don't remember now. It was a long time ago. And, uh, but I remember it was, it was every year, Super Bowl Sunday, business meeting Sunday night after church, and, which most of the time wasn't a big deal for our family. But uh, the few times that our team was in the Super Bowl, and my dad was usually a deacon or something, and so it's not like he could skip the meeting. And, um, yeah, so we, we would uh, record it, get home turn it on, watch the rest of it, and then go back and watch the first half another time. But when I became a pastor and when I started a church, I got to decide when services were going to be. And, uh, and we said, in order to not miss the Super Bowl, we're going to have afternoon services. No, I'm kidding. That was not at all the reason for it. Uh, we actually didn't start that way either, but thanks to Adam and Cindy, we moved to afternoon services because Adam didn't want to miss the Super Bowl. And, uh, and so now that's what we have. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 today. And uh, looking forward here, we're going to spend the next couple weeks, um, hopefully here in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll look at and focus a lot in on the armor of, of God. Today, we'll, we'll get into it today. We're going to look at some kind of preliminary uh, up to this point today as well. Um, but chapter 6 is an interesting chapter. It starts off with giving instruction to children to obey and honor their parents. Then it goes into fathers to bring up their children uh, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It goes into servants in verse number 6. Um, the focus of the servants here in verse number 6 is the serve, being a servant of Christ. So you serve your master correctly because you are a servant of Christ. And then it goes into masters after that in verse number 9 saying that the, the master, you need to know your master, um, which is Christ. So again, as we've talked about in all these passages and scriptures, the focus is Christ uh, through it all. And, uh, and then we roll into verse Number 10. And let's read if we can. Starting in verse number 10, we'll go through verse number 14. But the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, continue on, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench uh, till the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. We're going to focus, like I said, over the next couple of weeks on this armor of God. We looked last week at the prayer of deliver us from evil. And how does God answer that prayer? And ultimately, he answers the prayer through Scripture. And he says, you've got to be in your Bible. You've got to be reading so that you can know how to uh, overcome, how to have victory and how to be delivered from uh, evil, from wickedness. 
and the spiritual war that we're in. And we are in a day-by-day, moment-by-moment spiritual battle because Satan is attacking. We looked at last week that Satan is our enemy in this war. And he is going to attack, and he's going to attack hard. And so today we start to go into the answer to the prayer, deliver us from evil. And uh, we'll look at it over the next couple weeks. Let's pray, and then we'll look at at this uh, passage here in Ephesians 6. Lord, thank you for your love for us, and thank you for um, your care and your concern. Thank you for giving us instruction. Uh, Lord, I know that I'm a man, and sometimes I don't like to read the instruction manual, but this is an important one. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me and us to focus in on your word, to learn from it, to draw from it. Um, Lord, to know what we need to do to be in the best situation possible, to be in the right relationship with you so that we can be delivered from temptation, be delivered from the attacks of Satan, um, Lord, just being delivered from evil. So help us today to learn from your word. Help me to present it clearly and correctly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. (coughs) We see this again instructional book, but this instructional passage here, starting in verse number one, going through some different aspects of life, uh, of instructing us on how to be what God wants us to be. You know, we looked at it when we studied through 1 John, we looked at the, uh, the book to Christians on how to be in just the perfect relationship with Christ. Because when we're closest to Christ, when we're, when we're right where we're supposed to be with Christ is when we're going to be the most protected. It's when we're the most sheltered. It's like anything else. When you're, when you're holding up an umbrella, the closer you are to the middle of the umbrella, the drier you're going to be. Um, the closer you are to the edge of the umbrella, you're typically going to get a little wet. Um, I, don't, I haven't used an umbrella in ages now that I'm thinking about it. It has been a really, oh my goodness, maybe college? I don't remember. It's been a long time uh, since I've used an umbrella. No? Uh, okay. It's been a long time still. I was in my 20s, okay, which was a long time ago. And, uh, but I remember back in the, uh, um, you know, young, young man days when you're trying to uh, court a young lady and it's raining. Well, what do you want to do? You want to hold the umbrella for her, right? Well, you know what the problem with that is? When you share an umbrella, you both get wet. The wise thing to do is get her an umbrella and give it to her and get your own umbrella and create some distance and, and stay dry. But... That's not the purpose of an umbrella when you're that age. The purpose is being close. <laughs> so, you know, you got to get close, closer. Um, you know, and, and, but the reality is, is you both get wet. Now, they created large umbrellas and, and things like that, which help, of course. But the idea is for the maximum protection is to be the closest to the center of the umbrella. Well, with Christ, the same is true. To have the maximum security uh, of Christ, you want to be closest to him. And the closer you are to Christ, the more protected you are. And when we pray, Lord, deliver us from evil, his response to us is, go to Scripture because I've given you clear instructions on how to be delivered from evil. And uh, sticking to those fundamentals and those just, just being the, the simplest and most basic things that God tells us to do that we looked at last week. Pray to God, have a relationship and fellowship with God. Read your Bible, receive the instruction that God has given to you, and, and be in church where more instruction is given and being taught so that you can learn it, uh, and be around fellow Christians as well to be encouraged and edified, lifted up from them. Okay, well now we come into Ephesians chapter 6, where we're instructed as children to obey and honor, as parents to raise up in the admonition of the Lord, as uh, servants 
to obey and follow your master because ultimately you're a servant of God. And as masters, to remember we are not the master of everything, your master ultimately is Jesus Christ. And then from there he rolls into verse number 9, or excuse me, verse number 10. Finally, the words that every church congregation seeks to hear every Sunday. Finally, my brethren. He says here, be strong in the, of the, uh, excuse me, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. First thing I want us to see, we're just going to look at two main points today. The first thing I want you to see is that we have to have the right heart. And in verse number 10, it tells us here to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Strong for service. Strong to serve God. We have to be strong. This is a, a, um, a heart issue, not a physical issue, okay? Um, this is a spiritual, what we're talking about here, not a physical. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong for service and serving God. It's going to take some strength some spiritual fortitude. I was talking with a, uh, another coach uh, yesterday, and, or Friday, and, and we were just talking about, you know, the mental toughness of kids today. It is different than what it, than what it used to be. And there are still mentally tough kids, and, and, and maybe they've grown in areas that, that we were uh, needed to grow in when we were younger, but the reality is the mental strength of young people today is very different than the mental strength of two decades ago or four decades ago or even more. And we were just kind of talking through, well, how you got to deal with kids today versus, um, you know, when we, were, when we were younger and how we got dealt with and, uh, and things like that. And, you know, I just think through and I think I've tried to encourage the guys on my team about, you know, you got to be more just mentally tough in some areas. You know, and, and, you know, they get fouled and it doesn't get called and they get mad and they get frustrated. Well, I'm getting hit and not getting the call. And then they just drop their head or they miss a shot. And it's like, oh, man, the world's coming to an end. Like, you never had to tell me uh, to, to shoot because I was ready to shoot whenever I got the ball. Uh, but the kids these days, they'll miss a, miss a shot or two. And they're like, oh, I'm not shooting anymore. I'm like, well, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. Although there's some of them who are like, good. Uh, but... Um, but this idea of just being having some toughness to you. Well, if you think through being in a spiritual battle, war, all right, don't, don't let the uh, spiritual battle term sound soft to you. This is, a, this is a, a war that we're in. You've got to have some toughness to you. And especially when we're talking about a spiritual war, you need spiritual toughness. And the Bible here in verse number 10 says, you've got to have the right heart. You've got to be strong now in the Lord, strong for service, for serving God, strong for fighting because war takes fight. And then strong for suffering because war is going to bring hardships. And so we have to be strong. Spiritual strength and courage are crucial for spiritual warfare. If you're not spiritually strong, and listen, we can all be stronger than we are. But if you're not spiritually strong, the spiritual warfare is going to defeat you. If you don't have strength and you don't have courage in the spiritual war, you are not going to get through. 
Now, the great thing is it's not being strong in our own selves and it's not being courageous in our own selves. It says, in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. The problem where Christians, there's, there's two main issues here in this situation that Christians uh, um, struggle with. Number one, it's not being strong at all. They don't do anything to strengthen. You know, I, I don't like to exercise. I don't find any joy in it. Um, the older I get, the more I realize it's important. Um, you know, I've had friends that are just a year or two older than me that have had a heart attack this year. Um, I, I've got uh, multiple people I know that have had strokes, uh, just different issues, physical issues, and I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I need to get, I need to get on top of this. <laughs> I need to start getting better at this, right? I need to get, I need, I need to do this. Spiritually speaking, listen. If we're not doing spiritual exercises, the basics, reading the Bible, praying, going to church, we are not getting stronger. And so Christians, they struggle in this area because they just kind of, they just, they show up and then they go home and they're not getting anything. They're not gaining anything. They're not doing anything in their own time to strengthen themselves spiritually. And so they're just weak. And so when the war really hits home, man, they just, they crumble. Because they're just, they have no strength to stand. And then the other area where they struggle is, is they, they depend on their own strength versus God's strength. And so they think, no, I'm good. I'm good. I've, I've done enough. I know enough. I'll be okay. And then when that spiritual war hits home, man, they crumble because it's in their own strength. You remember, we looked at this on Sunday, Sunday afternoon not long ago. Goliath came out to meet David in his own strength. David came out to meet Goliath in the strength of the Lord. And you know how that battle went. And that is an illustration for us in our spiritual warfare that we in. If we walk out thinking we are good, we are strong, I got nothing to worry about because I got it under control. We're going to tumble to the ground just like Goliath. But if we come out understanding that I am not strong in myself, I cannot be strong in myself, I need God's strength to help me, then we can come out and sling the stone and knock down the giant and have a victory. So it's be strong. We got to have spiritual strength. We got to be spiritually courageous. But it has to be strong and courageous in the Lord and in the power of his might. God is sufficient. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He has all the power. He has all the physical power. He has all the spiritual power. He has all the emotional power. He's got it all. And so when I'm strong in his omnipotent might is when I can succeed. And the Bible says, in giving instruction, says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might. You've got to have the right heart. It's got to be, and I know I bring this up a lot, but it's got to be him increasing and me decreasing. Remember John, John the Baptist, he would preach and, 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 he would, and, and he would prepare for the coming of Christ and prepared the way for Christ and prepared people for Christ to meet Christ. His own disciples, some would leave him and go follow Christ. That's what John wanted them to do. Ultimately, it's what God wanted them to do. And one of the most important things that we can gather from John is that simple passage, he must increase, but I must decrease. 
It's not just him increasing, it includes me decreasing. So that is ultimately me being strong in the Lord, if I'm increasing him and decreasing myself. It's me understanding that I am incapable. It is me understanding that without the potter molding me as the clay, I am useless. At the end of the day, without God, I am nothing. But with God, all things are possible. And so when we're looking at this idea of, I need to be delivered from evil. I need victory over sin in my life. I need victory over these temptations that Satan's hurling my way. I must be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I have to have the right heart prepared for battle. I have never been a soldier. Um, I've never, it's not something that I've ever done. And I don't pretend to know and comprehend everything they've gone through. But I have been fortunate in my life to know some soldiers some courageous people. And I can only imagine that in the midst of battle where there are bullets flying, I can imagine there has to be some fear. But they work so hard to prepare soldiers for that moment. It doesn't just happen overnight. Now, sure, there are people that are braver than other people naturally, But that training is, I mean, it is hard. It is brutal. Um, may not be as hard today as it was 50 years ago, but it is still hard and it is brutal. And they prepare them the best they can so that when the first time they're in a firefight, they're prepared for it as best as they can be. I'll tell you what, I, I do not minimize the bravery of the men and women who have entered into the military, whether they've been in a firefight or not. They have prepared for it. Most of the friends that I know that have been in the military have been in firefights. I'll tell you what, I just, it just makes me respect them that much more. Because I think, you know what, I don't know that I, I mean, if push came to shove, sure. But at this point, I've never done that. And I've never volunteered for that. It's bravery, it's being strong, but why? It's because ultimately they had the right heart. They were willing to prepare. And that's what God's telling us to do here, it's prepare. You're going to be in battle. You've got to prepare for it. You are in battle. You've got to be prepared. And the first thing that you've got to do is be strong in the Lord, not in yourself, but in the power of His might. You've got to have the right heart, understanding that it's Him, not me. And I need His help. It's not my own strength. It's not my own ability. It's not my own knowledge. It's not my own wisdom. It's not my own goodness. It's God and his strength that can help me get through this battle. So we've got to have the right heart. The second thing, and we'll spend the rest of our time here uh, over the next couple weeks, is you've got to have the right armor. You've got to have the right protection. You've got to be prepared not just uh, uh, with your heart. You've got to, to spiritually, physically, if that makes any sense, protect yourself. Right? Um, I've done a few different things in my life where I've had to have some sort of, um, uh, of gear on. Uh, when I was in college, I played club hockey, ice hockey. It was the funniest thing you've ever seen. And, uh, and the first thing I did before I put a skate on the ice was I went out and bought everything I needed, helmet, pads, 
uh, skates, the whole, the whole shebang. And so, um, uh, because the puck, I don't know if you've ever had a hockey puck in your hand before, but it's not soft. Um, and, by the way, I touch the ice more than I touch the puck. The ice is not soft either. Um, when you've got pads on, it's not that bad. You fall down, uh, it's, it's, it's okay. Not a big deal. Getting up can be a pain sometimes, but uh, ultimately the fall doesn't hurt too bad as long as you've got the right gear on. Uh, for, for a year or two, I officiated softball, fast pitch softball for the high school. And, uh, and so same thing, you've got to get gear. Why? Because when you're standing behind the plate at a middle school girls softball game, the catchers are not that great. <laughs> and the ball hits you. Hits you in the shin, hits you in the chest, hits you in the face if you don't move fast enough. And so you want some sort of gear to protect you. So you've got the face mask, got the chest pad, and got the big old shin guards that cover from the knee down, down to the foot down there. And the one thing I did not get was the foot protector to go over the top of the shoe because I was like, I can move my foot out of the way. And I did all but once. And it hurt really bad the time I didn't. All right, so you want gear to protect because it softens the blow. It takes away some of the pain. Or, in many cases, most if not all of the pain. And so you want to be fully guarded and protected. And that's what God says. You're in a spiritual war, so you need to be geared up. You need armor to protect you in this war. He says here in verse number 11, put on the whole armor of God. It says as well in verse number uh, uh, 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God. Listen, God tells you to prepare for this spiritual battle that you're in. Not only do you need armor, you need all of it. The whole armor of God. I've seen, I've seen people who've tried to kind of piece together gear. Well, I'll get this now and get this now, but I'm going to hold off on this till I can afford it later. But I'm still going to go and participate without the full gear on. Um, typically, that person gets hurt in whatever it is they're competing in, uh, whatever it is they're doing, because they don't have everything that they need. Uh, it's a scary, scary place to be when you are only partially protected and you know you're only partially protected. And I would like to think, especially the older we get, the more wise that we get, we wouldn't go into something only partially protected. We say, if I'm not fully protected, I'm not doing it. God says you're in this battle, in this war, where you have an enemy that we talked about last week, but it refers to it here in verse number 12. Wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. These enemies are not something that you've seen before. They are incredibly powerful, and they are incredibly wicked. And so when he says, go put on armor, that's not what he says. He says, put on the whole armor of God. You need all of it. Because if you don't have something protected, these enemies are going to find that spot and they are going to just attack it. If you're like me, you know when you haven't been reading your Bible. 
because Satan starts attacking. Before I was a pastor, I can still remember, you know the times that you missed out on church for a little while because Satan starts attacking. You know when your prayer life's not where it's supposed to be because Satan just starts attacking. And we're weak because in those moments we don't have on the whole armor of God. Romans 13, 12 says, Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And it goes on in verse 14 to say, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh. We have to put on. We have to put on the whole armor of God, which ultimately what Romans tells us is putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Every piece of armor that we're talked about here is a attribute, so to say, of Christ. And so when we're putting on this armor, we are putting on Christ to protect us. We are putting on God and everything that he's given to us to protect us. And so why would we leave off some armor? The whole armor protects us. Head, heart, organs, eyes, everything. It's got us covered. And what's even greater than that is it's, it's armor. It's not just armor. It's not armor from Nike. It's not armor from whatever whoever makes armor these days. It's armor of God. It's what God gives us. In 2 Corinthians uh, 10.4, the Bible says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're not from this earth but they are mighty through God. And man, they can just pull down strongholds. The armor is the same way as the weapons, because we see the sword later on. Uh, we see that God is making this and preparing this, and he gives it to us so that we can win. I don't like to lose. I especially don't like to lose when losing causes me physical pain. I don't know about you. You know, you lose in checkers, eh, it stinks, but okay. But if losing causes you pain, I don't do this anymore because I don't have stupid friends. But when I had stupid friends, uh, you know, it was like, all right, we're going to do this thing, and whoever loses has to name it, something happens. Uh, we used to play a game uh, in high school that we called, what did we call this game? Um... I don't even remember what we called it anymore. But all it was was picking up a pile of mud and tossing it into a horse trough. We do it from ranging differences. And so sometimes it would be as simple as picking up a piece of mud, if it, hopefully it was mud, and, and saying, hey, if I make this, you have to, and that person would either agree or disagree. And uh, so, you know, there was stupid stuff. If I make this, you've got to drink out of the, the horse trough. All right, fine. Plunk. All right, drink out of the horse trough. Uh, if I make this, you have to do, and there's all kinds of, and remember, we're talking at this point in my life uh, between 11 years old and 17 years old, okay? Uh, so there was a lot of just really, really stupid stuff, and some of it was incredibly painful. Um, we grew up around horses, and we had electric fence, and so that would play into some things occasionally as well. Um, now, I was very, a very quick learner, 
and I learned that it was better for me to be telling someone that they would have to do it versus me accepting to do it from, from someone else, right? So I was the one going, hey, if I make this, you have to, and they would say yes. Uh, but sometimes we would do a competition, right? We're going we're gonna to throw five, uh, five, five mud clubs here, and, and, uh, and whoever gets the most, then the loser has to do whatever it is. Uh, you know, and we would line up kids. You know, we had kids come to camp, and we'd line up these kids. I think I'm past the point where they can prosecute me now. Um, and, uh, and we would line them up in a line, have them all grab each other's hands, and then have the person on the front of the line touch the fence. And then that person didn't feel anything. And then wherever the line broke, that person's the one that got the pop, right? And then, you know, he would let go, and then the next person would get popped, whatever. It was, it was very fun. Um, and, uh, and those kinds of things. So losing when it hurts is something I try very hard not to do. Okay, well, listen, losing the spiritual warfare is not painless. Losing when Satan is attacking is going to be an incredibly painful event. And so I try to think, okay, if I don't want to get hurt, um, I want to do everything I can to make sure I don't get hurt. Well, what do I need to do? Spiritually speaking, I need to put on the whole armor of God. Because it is what protects me from getting hurt. Emotionally hurt, spiritually hurt, sometimes physically hurt. Being what God wants me to be, following what God wants me to follow, knowing that the attacks are coming, I need to make sure I'm ready to go. So let's look at a couple of the pieces of armor this morning, um, and then we'll look at more next week. Um, but we start off here. It goes to verse number uh, 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The girdle of truth. Uh, we see here this, uh, uh, when we think of the word girdle, typically we don't think of this, but it really is a sash or a belt. It's going to be something that's going to hold together every part of the armor. It's going to keep everything in place. They would use it kind of like Batman's belt. Um, it would hold money, sword, um, writing instruments, just like Batman. Um, and, uh, but it would hold everything together, all right? Um, so it's called truth, the girdle of truth. What is truth? Well, truth is the Bible. The Bible holds everything else together. Everything that we do in the Christian life is held together by God's word. And ultimately, that is the truth. John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. When we have the truth, we are free. Free from wrong passions. Free from wrong views. Free from sin. And having God's word into our heart, hide God's word in your heart that you might not sin against God. Having God's word there to protect you, the truth of God's word, is going to hold everything in your life together. I'll tell you, when you start being um, influenced by something in the world, if you have God's word in your life, it keeps you from going astray. It holds you together. If you've got decisions that you've got to make, I'm telling you, if you've got God's word in your life and you have the truth going into your life on a regular basis, it holds you all together. When you're going through difficult circumstances in life, if you have God's word in your life, it just holds everything together. It's a girdle. It just brings it all together, holds it together. A friend of ours, he passed away uh, um, uh, several years ago, a couple years ago, but um, in Indiana, and I was talking with him, and he had been gone through a messy divorce, and he just said, you know, Pastor, he said, he said, I just started reading the Psalms. 
And he said, I got so much comfort from just reading the Psalms. And man, some days it would just be you know, one Psalm. Some days it would be a handful of them. And just, just having God's word and having it consistently in my life, just, 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 it just brought everything where it needed to be. That's what God's word does because it's truth. And this girdle of truth, it holds everything together. We see all kinds of different truths in the Bible. Just a couple examples for you today that I think can help everyone. Uh, the truth that God is the creator of the world and everything that's in this world. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Hebrews 11.3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. God is the creator of the world. He's created everything that exists. Another truth that we see in, in God's word is that God's word makes up the Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This book that we have is not just a book. It's not a history book. It's not a prophecy book. No, it's God's word. It's what God says. Yes, it contains history. Yes, it contains prophecy. But understand that if you just look at the Bible as just a book, you're not going to get anything out of it. But when you understand that it is God's word given to us, and you see then that it's profitable, and you see then that it teaches, and that it reproves, and that it rebukes, and that it, it corrects you, it changes everything that's there. We see that the truth in the scripture, God created the world, everything that's in it. God's word makes up the Bible. And of course, that God provides salvation. The truth that I have salvation changes the way that I live. It holds everything together. If God has saved me from hell, why would he not save me? from the attacks that I face on a daily basis. What would be the point of that? To know the truth that God is the Savior, not just of eternal salvation, but of daily needed salvation. To save me from, you know, you read through the prayers of David when he's talking about save me. He's going through being chased by Saul. Sometimes he's being chased and hunted by Absalom. Sometimes he's being different, different situations that he's in. He's not praying for the, the eternal salvation. He's praying for that moment. He needs salvation in that moment, saved from the situation that he's in, and from the heartache that he's in, from the sin that he's fallen to. He needs salvation from that. God is the Savior, not just of eternal salvation, but of daily salvation that is needed to come out of, to be saved out of the situation that I'm in. And the truth that God is, is, is an everyday Savior Boy, that can just hold us together. You say, man, I've fallen into this situation. and Sin got me here. Well, listen, there's only one way out. And it's not in your own doing. It's only through God. We've got to know the truth because the truth sets us free. It sets us free from, from these wrong things in our life. It sets us free from uh, uh, these wrong views and opinions and thoughts. And it brings us to this freedom in Christ. And we've got to put on this girdle that will hold everything together for us. This truth, your loins gird about 
with truth. And then the second thing that we'll look at, and the last thing we'll look at today, is this breastplate of righteousness. It says there in verse 14 that not only should you stand having your loins girt about with truth, but also and having on the breastplate of righteousness. This breastplate that is referred to here in Ephesians is, is what would be considered in that day and time, covering basically from the neck to the thigh. And it covers not just what we would think of as the front, but also the back. So it gives protection from what's in front of you and from what's behind you. It protects the vital part of the body. Okay, so what is this breastplate that God is telling us to put on? What is it made of? What's well, made of righteousness? What is righteousness? It's integrity. It's holiness. It's purity. Righteousness protects us against Satan's assaults. Ultimately, it's protecting the heart. But again, it's not our righteousness. We're not putting on the breastplate of our righteousness, of our goodness, of our holiness, of our purity. We're putting on the breastplate of God's righteousness. Because it's a righteousness that never fails. It's a righteousness that never goes away. It's, it's a righteousness that is consistent and eternal. Think of Job. His righteousness protected him. His righteousness resembled God's righteousness. God using Job for us to learn and to understand that if we can just be what God desires for us to be, to do what God desires for us to do, well, what does that mean? It means that, that we are living in God's righteousness. That's what God wants from us. You know, that when the Bible says, be holy as, as, as God is holy, God doesn't give us an instruction um, thinking in this situation that we can live up to that. We're not going to be holy like God is holy. I, mean, I already messed that up. Uh, very quickly after I was born, I messed that up. I know it's hard for you to believe. <laughs> but uh, my sister messed up way before I did. But anyways, the righteousness that we're putting on is not our own righteousness. That doesn't mean that we're not had to be righteous. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to be righteous. It doesn't mean that we don't have to do what God has told us to do. As a matter of fact, if you read Scripture and you pray to God, uh, you'll understand very quickly that God desires righteousness in my life while being dependent on God's righteousness. These people that say, I, because God saved me, I can now do whatever I want, have not read their Bibles. It's just not the way it works. Because God saves me, I seek to be righteous. The heart that I now have is one that desires God. And God desires righteousness. But the protection that I'm putting on here, this whole armor of God that I'm putting on, includes a breastplate that will protect my vital organs. That's a breastplate of righteousness. A soldier without a breastplate, he could not defend himself appropriately. And we can't either. Man, if we put on the helmet, and we put on the shoes, and we put on the girdle, and we grab our sword, and we go out to war, listen, we got a big old target. Both on the front and on the back. Wide open, ready to be hit. And as important as it is to protect the head with the helmet, it's just as important to protect the heart. 
And this breastplate does this for us. Listen, when our character fails, when we're not righteous, we open up ourselves to attack. Ultimately, God's righteousness is the protection for us, but our righteousness has to be there. God's righteousness, listen, (laughs) you can't live your whole life in sin and saying, it's okay, God will protect me. Because that's not what God teaches. And we see this importance, and we see examples in Scripture, but I think the easiest one uh, to look at is David. Look at David with his sin with Bathsheba. And he had multiple sins involved, right, in this situation. Um, He lusted, he coveted, he stole. He committed adultery. He committed murder. And you see the situation with David, and you see when, when he's approached by the prophet and confronted about his sin, if you study and see that time period between David's sin and David's confrontation, with Nathan's confrontation with David, it's not hard to see how miserable David was in that time frame. Studies show there was sickness, there was definitely anxiety and stress, and there's all this going on in his life. And, and when he, you can see him pour out his soul to God in Psalms, uh, asking for forgiveness, and you can, at least I can, see the healing in every verse of Psalm 51, 51 or 53, Psalm 51. And, and you can just see the healing come over him throughout this prayer that he's praying to God, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit. Prays through and he's just he's seeking God's forgiveness and he understands he's admitting his faults. And and at least the way that I read it, I just feel the strength coming back to David. And the, the light coming back into David's life. And we see God go on to forgive David and restore David and protect David. But guess what? That sin that David committed, it cost David a whole lot of hurt. He lost a child. He struggled as a king. He had physical struggles because he didn't have on the breastplate of righteousness. He did not have on the whole armor of God. We see Peter in the New Testament denying Christ three times. He didn't have on the breastplate of righteousness. Many a people, preachers, faithful church attenders, faithful givers, many a people have failed because they were not properly protected. They didn't have on what they needed to have on to protect themselves from the battle that was in place. We're going to go on in the next couple weeks and look through some of these other pieces of armor. But can we understand today that God wants us to be victorious? And because he wants us to be victorious, he's given us instruction on how to be victorious. And he says to us in one part of scripture, if you're going to stand, if you're going to be able to fight, if you're going to be able to defend, if you're going to be able to win, You've got to put on the whole armor of God.
have the right heart, and have the right armor so that you're able to stand and that you're able to withstand what Satan throws at you. Lord, help us. We're in a battle. We're in a war. It's a war that we can't win on our own. Lord, it's a war that no matter how wise we are, we just can't, we can't win without your help. And Lord, I pray that we would have the right heart. I pray that we'd be strong, not in our own might, not in our own power, but Lord, strong in you. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be prepared and that we'd have the right armor in place and we would not have just bits and pieces, but Lord, that we'd put on the whole armor of God. Help us to grab truth. Lord, use it to tie everything together in our lives. Help us to understand your word, to follow it. And Lord, help us in righteousness. We know we fail, you know we fail. But Lord, through your righteousness, we can prevail. And Lord, would you help us to just obey you, to do what we know we're supposed to do. Lord, that we can live as you desire for us to live, I pray in Jesus' name.